Hey everybody, it's JP. A quick note before we get started. The next several episodes of this podcast were recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Hoping you're all keeping healthy and safe, and that your family and friends are as well. And also hoping that this show might provide you a little bit of a distraction and amusement, as goofy as it might be. Be well, and thanks for listening. Today's episode, we're covering World Market Blood Orange Italian Soda, Country Archer Mango Habanero Beef Jerky, and Theo Chocolate Dark Chocolate with Orange. Hi, welcome to Junk Foodies, the podcast where we talk about, rate, and review the foods your parents said would spoil your appetite. Today, my guest is Nikki. Good morning, Nikki. How are you? Good morning, JP. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing really well. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm glad we could make this work out. Me too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, Nikki, I don't know how many episodes of the show you've listened to, but just a, a quick reminder, we're going to go through some a little bit of a Q&A on food, and uh, we're going to review our three products for today. We have a little bit of a game we're going to play at the end. And then at the end of the show, we'll do a star rating that kind of divides myself. It's between one and three stars. One is probably wouldn't pick this up again. Two, I'd seek this out again. And three, oh my God, this is amazing and I want more now. So that's kind of the best of the best. Sounds good. Perfect. So starting off, do you have a drink of choice that you typically go to day to day? It's usually water now. Growing up, we didn't have a lot of soda in the house. And so when I became an adult, you know, I could dry, buy all the soda I wanted. <laughs> I, was, I used to drink a lot of Pepsi. And then just kind of as I got older, kind of dropped that from my, my repertoire. Mm -hmm. So now it's, it's mainly water. I have coffee in the morning. And sometimes I'll have hot tea or unsweet tea. Okay. Now tea, black tea, green tea, herbal tea, all the above. Yes. I like it all. Good. <laughs> now you're in Colorado, correct? Correct. Is that, am I uh, correct in remembering that's where celestial seasonings tea is? That's their home? It is. Family and I moved here a little over 18 months ago and celestial teas is on our list of places I want to go visit. They have factory tours there. Oh, very neat. You know, I, I, I've done a couple of chocolate factory tours. I've done brewery tours, distillery tours, et cetera, et cetera. But a tea tour, that would be that would be really interesting. And they make some really good stuff. They do. And I hear rumors that you might get a couple of samples when you do the tour. I would imagine so. You know, they, they wouldn't have to worry about you driving home after. Exactly. <laughs> Unless there's there, too much caffeine. Because <laughs> there's a lot of breweries and even wineries and distilleries in here in this area yeah. You have that is issue with. Right. Sure. Cool. Okay. Now, if you are, let's say, treating yourself, having a nice dinner or, I don't know, watching a game or something like that, do you mix it up at all in terms of a, a type of drink you might have or, or pretty much what you referred to before? If it's at home, I will probably have something alcoholic. Uh, I like ciders. Hmm. Crispin has a couple of ciders that I really enjoy, or I'll do a mixed drink. Perfect. And what's your poison? Vodka, gin, rum? My favorite is tequila, but uh, my husband and I both enjoy whiskeys. So that's usually what we keep around. Good for you. I, I did not see that coming. I, 
so many times you hear people, and I, I enjoy a good tequila and a good whiskey, which I guess is kind of funny for me to say, why would I say I, I enjoy a bad tequila? But in any case, <laughs> I think so many people have a, a bias in their head because they had one bad experience, you know, when they're in their 20s with you know, really cheap tequila and they think, oh, that's terrible. I don't like it. And then when you have the good stuff, it really is eye opening. So glad to hear you enjoy that. Yeah, I went to a tasting just this last week for Siete Luegues. Oh, okay. It was really some smooth sipping tequila. Yeah, I've never had that particular one. I did a tasting a number of years back, probably. This was probably one of the things that kind of got me on the tequila kick. And it was, oh, geez, I'm going to totally blank on the name now. It's the famous one with a kind of square bottle. Don Julio. And it was their global ambassador hosted it. And I think we tried four or five different ones. And yeah, it's as you, as exactly as you said, it's some really fine sipping tequila, good stuff. Anyway, that's yeah. for a podcast of another day. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you have any memory that sticks out revolving around junk food? Thinking about drinks, I do. My parents, my, my father was from Florida. My mom was from California. But with my dad's father, he liked RC Cola. And I remember going and visiting them in the summertime and he'd have the RC Cola and they'd be playing Boggle or Upwards or (laughs) or Scrabble. And so I always think of RC Cola when I think of visiting them and playing those games. Hmm. And my mother's mother had a rural newspaper route that she would drive around on. And I thought that was the greatest thing to do was to go with her on her newspaper route and huh. always stop at this little country store and she'd get the Pepsi, ice cold Pepsi in the little bottles. They mm-hmm. were full size bottles. And that was always such a, a good memory for me. Huh. That's lovely. And do you have a go-to snack between meals nowadays as an adult? I have gotten into the habit of I kind of snack all all morning until lunchtime while I'm at, at work. And I like uh, raw almonds. I have mm-hmm. bananas and apples, those kind of a little more healthier. As I get mm-hmm. older, I find I ha- can't have as much sugar. But it's right. Salt. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know how you feel. I Snacks these days, I have to be looking at the label and you know, how much fiber does this have and how low in sugar and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, if you are in a more indulgent mood, what's a a snack you might reach for? I like chocolate, just plain chocolate. And since moving to Colorado, I have discovered a local company called Chaka Love. Mm. And they have a variety of fair trade organic chocolate. And it's kind of spoiled me now. I, I just, I'll reach for them. They've got a, a salted caramel that's really, really good. Mm. They have this new one that it's doesn't have a high content of cocoa, but it's called Ruby Cocoa Bar. Right. It has like a grapefruit taste to it. And that one is kind of addicting. So uh, for this podcast, uh, one of the snacks we reviewed was a Ruby Kit Kat, which uses that Ruby Cocoa. And so we went through the whole process of, you know, what separates that from actual chocolate? What's the difference between Ruby chocolate and white chocolate, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it's interesting you said grapefruit and and I'm sure Choco loves Coke or the, the product they use is, is superior to what Kit Kat would use. I mean, obviously, when you're <laughs> spending a dollar for a bar, it's different than when you're spending four dollars for. Right. But I found, and, and it's one, the only time I've tried Ruby Cocoa, I did look for the Chocolate Bar. That was, we were going to try to fit that into this episode, but that'll have to be for a future one. But I found it had kind of a, a, a bit of raspberry and a bit of lemon. Mm-hmm. Which it isn't far off from what you're saying. I mean, lemon, you know, grapefruit. There was citrusy notes to it, and it was really interesting. I don't necessarily think it would t- 
tick the box off in my brain as being chocolate, but it was very enjoyable. Right. Kind of fruity and creamy. And yeah, it was, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. But apparently those are hard to find, easier to find up here in Canada than in the US. I found when the person I was interviewing for that episode was from the US, he had to order it special off of Amazon. But anyway, I digress. I'm going <laughs> to keep an eye open with the chocolate love. We some stores, there's a couple I found that do carry it up here, but um, you know they had about a half a dozen different flavors, and unfortunately, Ruby wasn't one of them. Although we do have a, a local chocolatier that um, is a, as a Belgian chocolatier, and uh, apparently they have come out with their own version. So I, I might uh, just give that one a try just to see if it's you know how it compares and and how it is just on its own without there being wafer or anything else in it. So right now. Shifting to the other side, what's one item that you find inexplicably popular that you can't stand or you don't like at all? Mm, probably Skittles. Mm. I don't know what it is about that. I don't know if it's the texture or just its overpowering fruitiness. Yeah. You know, I like gummy bears and things like that, but just okay. Skittles have never, they've just never done it for me. Just don't turn your crank. <laughs> nope. Don't down. Okay, no worries. Well, we're going to move right into the beverage portion of the show. But before we do that, I'm just going to give you some fun facts. An Italian soda is a soft drink made from carbonated water and flavored syrup. Flavors can be fruit, for example, cherry, blueberry, or modeled after the flavors of desserts, spices, or other beverages, such as amaretto, chai, and chocolate. Some vendors add cream to the drink as well. Despite its name, Italian soda originated in the United States. One claimant to the introduction and increased popularity of Italian sodas is Torani. Rinaldo and Isilda Torre brought recipes for flavored syrups from Lucca, Italy, and in 1925 introduced what became known as an Italian soda to the North Beach neighborhood of San Francisco, California. The Italian-American association with Italian sodas has been reinforced by various ready-made brands of Italian sodas, such as the 2005 creation of Romano's Italian Soda Company, named after the Italian-American grandfather of the company's founder, and the 2007 introduction of the Sopranos old-fashioned Italian sodas, which come in three flavors, limoncello, amaretto, and Chianti. Okay, great. So this was a new product for me, Nikki, in, in a number of ways. A, I don't recall if I've ever had blood orange or not to my recollection. And I don't think I've ever had an Italian soda. So this was new on a couple of different fronts for me. Uh, how about you? I think that I've had one blood orange. A coworker last year brought a blood orange to, to work and was handing out some segments. And it was a much different taste than a regular navel orange. So right. it's a much deeper orange taste. It was pretty mm. tasty. I enjoyed it. I had a friend who introduced me to the San Pellegrino uh, Italian sodas a few mm -hmm. years ago. And I, I really enjoy those when I, if I am going to indulge in a soda, I do either a flavored mineral, you know, sparkling water, right. or if I'm really being bad and it's available, I'll do one of the San <laughs> Pellegrinos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the San Pellegrinos are um, partially fruit juice, right? Right. Okay. Well, that's not so, so bad. I mean, that's certainly better than, you know, getting an orange flavored crush or something like that, right? Right. Okay. And uh, what did you think about this particular example? I really enjoyed the the orange. It, it For me, it was sweet, but it was also very tangy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think 
also, since I'm not drinking as much soda anymore, I notice a difference between sodas made with cane sugars and sodas made with the high fructose corn syrup. Right. And it's really refreshing. Yeah. So I, I didn't have the the context of having had the blood orange before. So I, I really didn't have anything to compare it with. Looking at it, the, the color would kind of remind you almost like of a ruby red grapefruit, not, not the fruit, but of the, the drink I'm talking about. Right. So, you know, I, I didn't know what, what I was going to get into going in. It was tart, which surprised me off the, the bat because I tend to think of orange flavored things as being sweet. The fizziness was, was light and kind of pleasant, effervescent. I, I got really tropical notes from it. So, uh, you know, setting aside just the, the tart that kind of smacked me in the mouth right away. I was thinking of something like passion fruit or, or maybe guava, something like that. The orange itself, it's like you said, it's, it's a deeper, more mature orange. Right, yeah, <laughs> I that's a good that. way to put it. <laughs> Does that make sense? How can something taste more mature? I think you know that <laughs> it's like the, the difference between a light red wine and, and like a burgundy or a cabernet or something like that. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Very robust. That's, I guess robust. that's what they say in wine. It's a more yeah. robust. Robust and, and complex. I did quite a bit enjoy it. And I don't drink soft drinks very often, very rarely. I, like you, I drink sparkling water. If I want some flavor, though, that's easy to find now. There's a, a ton of different um, options. Right. Occasionally, I drink diet pop. But it's, you know, I, I, I've read the stuff about how artificial sugar is not that good for you. So I, I, if I'm being naughty, you know, I'll have a yeah. Coke Zero or something like that. Um, this was really good. I, I don't know that I'd make it a regular part of my day-to-day just because of the amount of sugar. But if I was going to treat myself, it's, it's pretty tasty. And I could see, you know, sitting on a, a hot patio and sipping on something like this. I also thought it might make for a decent cocktail. Um, I'm always looking at how can I add alcohol to this? <laughs> Because it has a a fizzy screwdriver. Something like that, yeah. It it has a bit of that Italian, some of the kind of bitter orange liqueurs like Campari and Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. It has a a bit of that. I mean, it's much sweeter than Campari, but there is a bit of that kind of complex orange that's, you know, not like uh, Orange Crush or something like that. So, yeah, it was quite enjoyable. Uh, Moving on to our next set of questions, would you call yourself a sweet or a savory person? What's your default? I've always thought of myself as sweet because Mm. I am a chocoholic and a sugar addict, a recovering sugar addict. Mm -hmm. But as I get older, I find myself enjoying some more savory things. Right. I think my taste buds change as you, you age, and I think that's happening. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I think I'm... Uh, similar to you, I grew up as a kid that if there was something with sugar in it, I was stuffing it in my face. Recovering sugar addict is probably a, uh, is a, is a good turn of phrase. Although, you know, there's some days when I, <laughs> when I fall off the wagon, as it were. And by the way, my apologies for, you know, forcing you to eat sugar you might not otherwise be eating on, you know, <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I think I, I understand what you mean that as you get older, maybe you get a taste for, you know, more of the bitter and sour flavors and, and um, more complexity, umami and, and that kind of thing. So I completely get what you mean there. When I say the word comfort food, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Oh, pasta. Mm. Oh, I just, I, I, I adore pasta. <laughs> but, you know, even going deeper than that, if I've really had a bad day, <laughs> yeah. my, my family grew, I grew up eating a lot of peanut butter. Mm. And my father introduced me to peanut butter and brown sugar sandwiches. Okay. And so if I'm having a really, really bad day, I'll make myself a peanut butter and brown sugar sandwich with a glass of chocolate milk. Wow. (laughs) So 
when I was a kid, my kind of go-to comfort food after school snack was peanut butter and jelly sandwich with chocolate milk. I loved, Mm -hmm. I grew up on a dairy farm, so we always had unlimited supplies of milk, drank a lot of milk as a kid. I love the creaminess of the milk, chocolate and peanut butter, obviously a classic combination, peanut butter and jelly, who's to argue with that? Peanut butter and brown sugar, though. I, I don't think I could bring myself to eat it now just because. I, it is extremely sweet. I, I yeah. can't remember the last time I had one of those. <laughs> I introduced my daughter to it. And when she was in kindergarten, that's all she would eat. Neither one of my kids would eat peanut butter and jelly. Um, oh, so they, they wanted peanut butter and brown sugar. My son liked just plain peanut butter. But by the end of her, her kindergarten year, she had four or five other kids in her class that were wanting peanut butter and brown sugar sandwiches. How funny. I'm going to have to try the flavor combination now. I might just do it like on a cracker or something just to limit yeah. the amount of damage I do to myself. <laughs> I'm very curious about it. I almost wonder if, like I think of the baked good, like a, a blondie, you can, you know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a brownie, but more like a chocolate chip cookie. Right. I almost wonder, I've, I've heard of peanut butter blondies, if it would be a kind of a similar taste profile because those are kind of brown sugary and caramelized, but also you're getting the peanut butter in there. And it doesn't yeah. sound half bad. I'm, and if I try it, I may end up getting hooked. So, you know, yeah. I, I better and, be careful there. <laughs> and another family favorite was peanut butter and honey sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And I will still do those occasionally if I'm, especially if I've done a workout and I just want a quick protein and yeah. sugar yeah. Real, real quick, half of a, a, a slice of bread with peanut butter and honey on it. Just recently, we posted a all peanut butter episode. And I haven't listened to that one. I've got it downloaded. Yeah. So as I was hunting for different peanut butters, I did see that there is a couple of companies that sell a jar of peanut butter and honey already pre-mixed. So they've done all the work for you. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't it's, review any of those, though. Uh, it, it's interesting. My husband and I met. 20 years ago on AOL and we would have oh, wow. conversations about what we liked and we had a peanut butter discussion and he was a Jif peanut butter person and I was mm-hmm. a Skippy and, and I said to me, Skippy was the best and he thought Jif was the best. And when we met in person, he confessed to me, he said, well, I did a blind taste test and you were right. <laughs> he enjoyed the Skippy better than the Jif. So Spoilers for those who haven't heard it, but Jif uh, performed quite well in our blind taste test. And I wanted Skippy to be in the mix. And it turns out, unbeknownst to me, because I just completely missed this, um, Skippy stopped exporting to Canada a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, they decided, I guess there was too much competition in the peanut butter aisle. And they decided, you know, Canada is a country of 30 million people. I guess they just decided it wasn't worth, you know, the margins. I mean, a commodity like that, grocery store products, that's, um, it can be hard, I think, to make a profit, particularly when you have a lot of competition and there's generic brands and that kind of thing. So they right. decided it wasn't worth uh, exporting anymore. And I think there's, financially, I think it costs a little more to export to Canada because by law here, you have to have the labels in both French and English. So that adds an extra layer of, of stuff that they have to add to it. But yeah, I could not find Skippy to save my life. And I just thought, up until now, I just thought my local grocery store that I usually go to just didn't carry it. But no, it wasn't around anymore. And for a while I saw, we're getting way off topic here, but for a while I saw um, Planters Peanut Butter and that didn't stick around for very long either because I, I didn't see that anywhere else either. So I don't know if Planters is still making peanut butter elsewhere, but it doesn't seem to be here in Canada anymore. I don't know. I've kind of switched over from peanut butter to almond butter. And yeah. so I, I don't pay attention to the peanut butter as much because of the high sugar content in the, the peanut butter. Yeah, it, it's, you know, when you start to learn about 
nutrition and that kind of stuff, it's kind of hard to qualify peanut butter as a healthy snack. My favorite, my go-to is natural peanut butter. So just the ground peanuts and salt. Some people aren't crazy about that because of the consistency. And I find if you refrigerate it, it, it firms up pretty good as long as you eat it quickly. You don't you know, take it out of the fridge and leave it sitting at room temperature because it'll start to separate again. But yeah, I like, I, I, and I don't mind almond butter. I like a good almond butter. It's a little pricey, but it, it's good. But uh, peanut butter, the natural peanut butter, I feel hits that thing that from childhood, you know, that, right. that nostalgic part of me in a way that almond butter doesn't, while I do enjoy the taste of almond butter. So anyway, enough of peanut butter and almond butter and all the other butters. What's your... I think you may have already answered this, but let's see what you have to say. Uh, again, if you're indulging yourself, what's your favorite treat? What's the, the one thing you might put in your shopping cart every once in a while just to treat yourself? Um, ice cream. Okay. Okay. I thought you might say chocolate, but maybe it's chocolate ice cream, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 right now, um, Ben and Jerry's uh, Cherry Garcia. Mm. Or if I can find a, I think, Talento Gelato. Okay. A, a mint chocolate chip that I really enjoy. Okay. I'm not familiar with that brand. Yeah. And gelato I've, I have discovered kind of is even better for me than, than the ice cream. It's a little smoother. At some point I've read the difference between gelato and ice cream and I can't recall about the milk. I don't know if it's a healthier option necessarily, or yeah, I can't I'm remember. Not sure. My daughter went to Italy for study abroad when she was at university. And when she came back, she said she had gelato every day that she was in Italy. Uh-huh. So we went out and we found it. And now it's it's a family favorite. Now getting to our savory snack today, but before that, some fun facts. The son of parents who immigrated to the United States from South Korea in the early 1980s and immediately opened up a gas station. Eugene Kang, co-founder and CEO of Country Archer Jerky Company, runs a beef jerky company that's almost unrecognizable compared to the usually heavily processed examples of other jerkies on the average gas station shelf. Kang's product delivers 100% grass-fed beef jerky or cage-free turkey that's primarily organic. The founder calls his version the Sam Adams of beef jerky for its homage to a craft artisanal product that is sold nationally. While he was struggling to find his passion in college studying political science, Kang went on a road trip to the Grand Canyon with his aunt. During the drive, they stopped at a roadside vendor selling jerky in clear plastic bags. Remembering the processed jerky he ate during his childhood, Kang immediately saw the unique quality in a more artisanal, country-style jerky. Kang made a seemingly rash decision to buy the tiny boutique butcher shop owned by 80-year-old Charlie Marachi, who gave Kang the reins before he retired with his family. Kang's goal, rebrand and scale the product nationally. After dropping out of the University of California, Riverside in 2011, Kang bought the company on a $100,000 commercial loan. No formal business background and using $50,000 he borrowed from his disconcerted parents. Since then, the meat snacks, free of hormones, antibiotics, and preservatives, found their way into over 25,000 grocery stores across the U.S. and Canada, up from 3,250 in 2016. The brand's 2019 revenue came in at $35 million, which equals over 500% growth over five years. All right, so this product, this jerky, was something I wasn't uh, familiar with. I do eat jerky from time to time if I need a a quick snack on the go that's higher in protein, and uh, some brands are 
you know, lower in sugar than others. But this one's new to me. So I don't know if this wasn't available before or it's just not carried in a lot of stores. Had you ever seen this brand before, Country Archer? I had not. I don't eat a lot of beef jerky. If I'm doing a road trip, my husband and I will sometimes pick up some beef jerky to snack on on the road. But I had not not noticed the, the Country Archer before. I was impressed made with grass-fed beef. And, you know, I've, I've read the studies that compare the nutritional outcomes, um, you know, or the nutritional equivalents between grass-fed and grain-fed beef. And, and grass-fed does appear to be healthier across the board. So I was kind of impressed with that. So obviously a bit of a higher quality product. What did you think of this? Well, to be honest, I was kind of dreading it because of the habanero. Okay. So um, you're not too spicy of a person? <laughs> no, I enjoy the taste of the spice, but Something about habanero and jalapenos, the oils burn the inside of my mouth, so it mm. really catches on fire. So I was kind of very tentative to yeah. this. When I first opened up the package, I, I took a couple of sniffs just to yeah. see how it was, and it didn't, didn't smell too spicy. Right. And the texture, uh, because I'm used to going into the gas station and buying the really cheap beef jerky that's hard as, as rawhide. <laughs> this, it was so soft and very, it was really, the texture was really nice on it. And it, yeah. the, the taste started out fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it had a good flavor, a good beef jerky flavor. Mm-hmm. I did not get any citrus or mango out of it. Mm-hmm. And then as I finished it, my mouth started getting on fire. <laughs> um, you know, it, it warmed up yeah. uh, as you continued eating it. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it wasn't too unpleasant of an experience for you. I didn't oh, no. know. <laughs> you could have chosen another product, but anyway, yeah. So the, the smell, as you said, it, you know, smelled beefy, kind of, kind of soy sauce. Uh, you know that that kind of umami smell. I got on the on the smell. I got a little bit of fruitiness, but you're right. When I went to eat it, I didn't pick up the mango so much. It wasn't really obvious, and maybe maybe something like mango is just a you know, gets kind of overpowered by the other elements. I mean, beef is a pretty strong flavor to, to match up to beef. Maybe you need something a little bit heftier. I don't know what you would use that would be fruit. But anyway, this is what we found. You're right, though. The heat really sneaks up on you on this. Yes. And I, I do like spice, and so I didn't find it unpleasant. But it kind of like, it was like, oh, okay, well, that, that wasn't that. Oh, there it is. You know, like it yes. just kind of stuck up on you. And it stuck with you for a while. Like I just took a, a single bite and, you know, it stuck with me for... A fair bit afterwards. I, I didn't time it or anything like that, but I was aware it was there, but not in an unpleasant way. So it, right. it to have a, a nice balance between heat and flavor without being unbearable because I have tried things that are spicy flavored where it's like, this is a little too intense for me. And, and I like spice. I agree with you on the texture, very tender meat. And yes. I don't know if that's just because it's a higher quality meat or because of it's grass fed or, or the processing that they, they do to it or what have you. But I've certainly had jerkies that you really have to, you know, your jaw gets to work out doing yes. it. <laughs> it's like, this is like a piece of leather. <laughs> exactly. All right. Now, when you're at the movies, you're watching a movie at home. What's the snack that you typically like to have? If we're in the movie theater, I'll pick up either Junior Mints or maybe Raisinets, mm. covered raisins. Mm-hmm. If my husband picks up popcorn, I'll have a couple handfuls of that. But mm-hmm. I, I try to stay away from getting things with too much salt in them. Right. And, and so I, every once in a while, I'm craving the popcorn, but for the most part. And I try not to snack when we're watching movies at home because I've, I'm breaking that habit and that cycle of just mindless eating. Yes. Yeah. 
is I'll look down and all of a sudden the bo- the bag of tortilla chips are gone. Right. Okay. Yeah. Easy to do. Yes. I guess the nice thing about, you know, watching a movie at home as opposed to out in the world is if you want popcorn, you can air pop it and put a little bit of seasoning on it that doesn't necessarily have to be a salty seasoning and that kind of thing. So you have a little bit of control over what goes into your food. That's kind of nice. Right. And we just recently, when they advertised the uh, Star Wars Instapots, my husband purchased the Chewbacca one for us because we'd been talking about getting an Instapot. And he has a coworker who swears that popcorn popped in the Instapot is the best she's ever tasted. And we haven't tried it yet, but that's on the list of things to try out. Okay. I I don't have an Instapot myself, but my brother does. And and he loves trying new stuff with this. So I'm going to have to run that by him and, and ask him to do a, um, maybe I'll have him on the show. We'll do a, a, a corn-based episode. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for that. That's, I, I've never heard that popcorn in the Instant Pot. Interesting. Yeah. You wouldn't have thought. I, I, guess I, I don't have one, so I don't think of all the different things you can do with it. So I, I tend to think of like what I use my slow cooker for, which slow cooker wouldn't really be good for popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have any favorite seasonal snacks, like stuff that only comes around once a year? Oh, um, I was listening to your, your holiday show and you went through the Terry's yes. chocolate. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. I was going to mention that, that later on, but that's, oh, okay. that's one of my favorites. And I used to get the Cadbury eggs whenever mm. they come out, but nowadays I, I'll get one and it's like, it's just not the same as it was when I was, you know, a kid and had yeah. this those occasional treats and I'd show that, you know, that would show up in my basket. Now, do you think it has changed or do you think it's just that your taste buds have changed and you can't handle that level of sweet? Um, it's probably me because yeah. I, I think it was just as sweet as it is now. I don't think they've made any changes. It is. That's a sugar bomb. Like mm-hmm. even as a kid, we didn't have them growing up. So I, I can't even remember the first time I had one, but I remember having one and, and I, was excited to have it because in the commercial with, was it a rabbit that would cluck like a chicken? Yes. Yeah. You remember this? Okay. I'm not just making this up. No. Um, They'd so, have to the try out and there'd be a, a lion dressed yeah. as a rabbit trying to you know, and do the big roar instead. Of right. Right. Oh man. We're, we're, we're showing our age here. Nikki. But I remember they would show a, a, an image of the, the egg cracked open and there was the white and the yellow. And I was fascinated by that. And I really wanted to try it. And, I, you know, oh, what well, that must taste like. Because they don't really talk about what it tastes like in the, in the commercials. Right. So I didn't know if the yellow part was caramel or, or peanut butter or, you know, what, what would be yellow. And then you just try it. And it's just like, again, I haven't had one in years. I've maybe only ever had two. But if I remember, it's just kind of sugary. Like, it doesn't really have a particular flavor. It's just like sugary goop. And it's sugary goo, and it's grainy, if I remember correctly. It's been a couple of years since yeah. I've had one. So it, it's a low-quality chocolate. Yeah. Just this glob of sugar and graininess. Inside. Yeah. Now, Cadbury, if you're listening, I'm always looking for sponsors. So we'll certainly <laughs> <laughs> we'll review your other products. And Cadbury actually has a, a good reputation for making oh, yes. chocolate compared to something like like Hershey's. Cadbury, I don't know if you can if it's widely available um, down where you are, but here it's it's in every grocery store and, and they actually have decent chocolate at a yes. at a price. But um that particular product, yeah, it's it's never really done anything for me. So and as uh, I think about it, I wonder if they just keep them in the warehouse year after year and just send <laughs> ship them out. That might explain the greatness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. You have uh, 
any odd combinations. I'm thinking maybe like peanut butter and brown sugar, for example, or, <laughs> or uh, snacks treats that you like that are unusual. Um, I don't think so. Other than like the peanut butter and brown sugar, we do that. Snack wise, pretty traditional. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, my, my kids both do the, you know, French fries dipped in their chocolate milkshakes. Right. I have tried that and I just can't do that. <laughs> oh, you're not alone there. If you were having a last meal, what snacks would be there? Oh, macadamia nuts for sure. Mm. And definitely just some, some high quality chocolate. My, right. uh, my dad does a, a hot fudge that we put over ice cream uh-huh. that's made with Baker's unsweet chocolate and condensed milk and carol syrup. Oh, wow. And that is really good. I, I don't make that very often, but that would that definitely be good. that with some high quality vanilla ice cream. Anytime you say condensed milk, my, my ears perk up because you know, <laughs> being that, that sweet tooth when I was a kid, whenever mom was baking and she was making something condensed milk, I always wanted to lick the spoon after she cleaned out the can or, or she'd give me the can and I'd you know, scrape that can until it was like as dry as a bone flavor. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my family, again, my father, the sweet tooth. Yeah. I grew up with French toast and we would put butter and condensed milk on our French toast uh, instead uh, of maple uh, syrup. That's actually pretty common in, in Mexico. They will use condensed milk as, as a condiment like that, like almost like we use maple syrup. So you, were, you weren't alone there. You were. <laughs> <laughs> he claims he got it from his grandfather who was from England. Oh, interesting. And macadamia nuts. Yes. So good. And you know what? That's, I mean, that's, they're a bit high in fat, but it's a really healthy fat. If you ever want a real treat, I like putting them in the freezer and mm. having them cold. There's something that changes. Yeah. It's, oh. it's hard to describe, but it's, it, try that. it's a lovely treat. Yeah. But they are not cheap. And no, that's one of the reasons I don't use them as a, a main snack, but it's also, you know, I, I forgot about when you're talking about nostalgia. Mm. I grew up overseas um, in the Pacific on a little island in the Pacific Ocean and oh. would fly back. We'd fly into the Air, ba- Air Force Base on Hon- in Honolulu in Hawaii mm-hmm. and then fly from Honolulu to L.A. And on that flight between Honolulu and L.A., their snacks were macadamia nuts. Oh, my gosh. And I loved them. And when I came back to the States and I'm telling my friends about these macadamia nuts, they'd never experienced them. Sure. They thought it was crazy. Yeah, exactly. All they knew was peanuts. (laughs) Exactly. Cashews. Yeah. Mixed nuts. Right. Now I'm I'm curious this island. So you're you're uh, you're a military brat. Your your father was in the military, or uh, the company he worked for contracted oh. with the military. So I joke with people that I was a military brat without the benefits of the military. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the island that you grew up on? It's called Kwajalein. It's in the Marshall Islands. At the wow. time, it was a U.S. territory, but sometime in the I believe it was in the mid '80s they um, were given their own sovereignty and they've got their own government now. I've never even heard. I mean, I've heard of the Marshall Islands, but not that particular one. And how long did you live there? Through elementary school. We moved there in kindergarten and I moved back to the States when I was in sixth grade. Oh, that's fantastic. Did they have a a local cuisine or was it pretty Americanized? Uh, I think because I was living on the, the military base, they kept us pretty segregated from the locals. Right. Um, but I did, you know, I experienced things like poi mm. and sticky rice. Okay. Back in in the seventies, where all of the the Americans were trying to make fluffy white rice, <laughs> and I was 
thinking about the sticky rice that I had on the island whenever we had yeah. had Friday night barbecues at the officer's club and there was always sticky rice and that, that was the highlight of my meal. <laughs> so very kind of Polynesian, uh, Hawaiian type. Um, oh, how interesting. Yeah. And my best friend, her mother was from Russia and her father was from Japan. Mm. And he would go out and he would fish and he would bring things in, you know, that he'd catch yeah. and he would fix it. So I was exposed to sashimi and um, he had some octopus and I was like, I'm not going to eat that. And Mr. Uh, Onosaki told you to eat something. Yeah. You did not argue. Right. <laughs> and uh, it was delicious. Huh. And so you were way ahead of the curve on the, um, on the sushi and sashimi front. Yeah. So I think that helped me experience that as a child. When I went forward, it's like, I'll try anything. Right. Try it once. Hmm. That's fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now let's move on to our uh, sweet snack. But before we do that, some fun facts. Theo chocolate was founded on January 27th, 2005 in Seattle, Washington. Joe Wenny and Jeff Fairhall worked together to create the Theo Chocolate Company. Joe was a pioneer in organic cocoa, previously creating the first company to manufacture and supply bulk organic cocoa and chocolate products for the U.S. food industry. Jeff was a founder of Essential Baking Company in Seattle, Washington. Jeff provided the financial resources to start the company, while Joe led the business. Theo's first chocolate bar was sold in March 2006. Their mission statement pronounces in part to ensure that everyone is treated in a way that we can be proud of and that only the highest quality ingredients and processes are used. Okay, so that's a cool story. Theo Chocolate from Seattle. Had you had this brand before? I had not had this brand before. Okay, and what were your thoughts? Well, I love orange and chocolate, as I mentioned earlier. Terry's. The, um, the Terry's <laughs> orange. Yeah. Growing up, I always had, you know, got the, the navel orange in the toe of my, my stocking. Mm. When I had kids, they didn't like oranges, so I found these Terry's oranges and I put them in there. Well, they didn't like those either, so I ended up eating them. <laughs> that worked out for you. Yeah, it did. I I didn't, I wasn't a fan of the Terry's chocolate, this bar, the texture. <laughs> and as I look at it, I think it's because it was the 70%. Right. And as I look at my favorite chocolate bars, I think 55% is where I, I is my sweet spot. Okay. So it's um, a little dark for you? Yeah, it was a little dark for me. I, you know, I wouldn't turn it down if somebody offered it to me, definitely. Yeah. And but I did like the orange taste. It was a very it was I could really taste the orange in there. Mm, yeah. So as I mentioned before we start recording, I've actually I visited Seattle a couple of years ago now and uh, had an opportunity to tour this factory. So I got to try a bunch of their chocolate. I don't remember if I'd had the orange or not. It's definitely a good quality chocolate. You know, we're not talking about the, the stuff they make Cadbury eggs with. Yeah. Like you, you get the richness of it. Um, I don't mind a, a darker chocolate. So uh, I think I liked it a bit more than you did on that front. The orange was really subtle at first and then it was just kind of there. So again, almost like the jerky, it kind of snuck up on you, but it didn't taste artificial at all. So I, I really appreciated that. So yeah, I, I like this one a fair bit. So those are all of our snacks today. As I said before, we rate between one and three stars. So let's get your ratings uh, starting with the drink and then the jerky and the chocolate. What are your thoughts? Um, I would say with the the blood orange drink that if I'm going to treat myself, I would definitely get this again. So that would be a three. 
Okay. I liked it quite a bit as well. And like I said, I, I could imagine, you know, making a cocktail like this. I, there was nothing I disliked about it. So I give it a three as well. The jerky, uh, definitely for this particular flavor, I would give it a one. I probably wouldn't go after the habanero. Right. But I noticed that Country Archer had several other flavors and the teriyaki kind of caught my eye. So yeah. I get a one, but I think I'm going to try the teriyaki in the future. Okay. So based on flavor alone, it's a one, but you'd probably rate it a little higher if you're rating other things like quality and texture and that kind of thing. Correct. Gotcha. You know, it's funny, I did see the teriyaki and I think it had fruit in it as well. So we very well could have done that, but whatever, but (laughs) that'll be for the next time we record. Yeah. So I liked it a bit more than you and and mind you, I I do like spice, I think more than, than you do. Loved the uh, the texture of it, the the flavor, the aroma. It was all there. I liked the heat that kind of stuck with you, but didn't overpower, at least to me, didn't overpower my palate. So I think I'd give this one a three as well. I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, the only thing that might prevent me from picking it up on a regular basis is just the fact that anytime you do get a jerky product, there t- tends to be a higher level of sugar. So you have to kind of watch out your portion size. But if you, you don't, actually, I'm just looking at the bag now and it says consume within three days of opening. I don't think I've ever seen that on a jerky bag. That's So I think we are talking about next level jerky here. Like this yes. is good stuff. This isn't like, you know, smack to death with preservatives. So I'm going to have to eat this in the next three days. Uh, one of the job houses. I'll give mine to my husband. So <laughs> but, you know, but otherwise, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I'm, I'm going to give that one a three as well. Now, what about the chocolate? I know uh, dark chocolate's not your favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, it, it was a bit dark for me. Like I said, the ones that I I looked up to see what my favorites were, and those were at 55%. So I probably give this a two. If somebody offered it to me, if I was looking for a treat and it was between a Hershey bar and this bar, I would probably pick it up. So I'd give it a two. Okay. And I'm I'm just loving everything today. You are. I guess. It's, you got me on a good morning. I think this is the first time that since I've done this show and I have done a fair number of episodes now, just about once a week since like September of 2019. I don't think I've yet given three stars to everything. And I think we have, I'm going to have to set this aside as some kind of a record. We've got a, a triple crown here. This okay. is a triple crown episode for me, three stars. So I enjoyed everything today. Good. Yeah. So thank you for, for sharing that with me. Now it's time for a segment I like to call Junk in the Truck. Now, in this segment, I'm going to present you with something out of my junk trunk. I'm a junk foodie, as was my father and as was his father before him. This trunk's been handed down through the generations, so I'm going to open it up here. And you're going to try that without knowing what you're getting into and tell me what your initial impressions are. So taste, smell, etc. Okay. Well, I'm looking at some nuts here. Mm-hmm. And they look a little suspicious. <laughs> they're, they're crusted with something. Right. So the shape is an almond shape. Not really getting any smell off of them. Uh-huh. So let me go ahead and try these. I'm getting a lot of lemon. Wow. Yeah. You're not kidding. Oh, wow. I picked one that was especially crusty. It's almost like um, a lemon drop candy. Mm. And then once I bite into it 
I'm getting an almond taste with that. That's a nice mm-hmm. uh, kind of cut the lemon out really well. Yeah. That's pretty tasty. Okay. So this is where I ask, do you put it back in the trunk or do you take it with you? Hmm, if I'm going to treat myself, I think I'm definitely going to take this with me. <laughs> so I probably chose the the least subtle thing I could to, you know, to, for a blind taste test. Like you got it right away. I mean, you knew it was a nut. You taste mm-hmm. it. It's like there's no mistaking that lemon flavor. You're right. It reminded me of, you said lemon drop. I also kind of thought, because with the nuttiness of the almond, I thought of like a lemon tart or a lemon square, like with a shortbread yeah. crust. Mm-hmm. This is really good. Again, probably not something I would eat day to day, but for an indulgence, quite enjoyable. Wow, I, I, I can't get over how, I don't know that I'd need very many because it's so intensely flavored. I could probably just eat three or four and, and feel satisfied. Yeah, but I, I think I'm going to take this definitely the next time I visit my father because he mm-hmm. likes lemon. And I think he'd really enjoy these. But like you said, only one or two. I, I had to have another one, but right. it was very intense. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could like eat a whole handful of them, but, but it was good. All right. Yeah, it was very tasty. Well, thank you for playing along uh, with Junk for the Trunk uh, <laughs> or Junk in the Trunk. Let's dip into our junk mail. As a reminder, you can reach us by email at junkfoodiespod at gmail.com or on Twitter and Facebook at junkfoodiespod. Our message today comes from Joe, who asks, Dear Junk Foodies, my household was a Pepsi house. How appropriate that this uh, we chose <laughs> for this episode. I didn't even know that you were going to say you like Pepsi. Although friends I know like Coke and think I'm crazy for liking Pepsi, wondering what your thoughts are on the Coke versus Pepsi wars, or is there another option that you prefer over those two? So Joe, thank you for writing in. Nikki, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but go ahead and answer his question. It, it's very interesting. My, my husband was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, which is very close to Atlanta, which happens to be the Coke headquarters. Right. And so, again, when we met online and I was a Pepsi person and he was a Coke person, we decided, okay, that is going to be the one area that we will never agree on. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I like Pepsi. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I've had a Pepsi. But if, if I'm given the choice, it would definitely be a Pepsi. But again, I have that nostalgia for the RC Colas. Mm-hmm. Although earlier when you were telling the story about your, was it your grandmother's paper route? Yes. She would buy you a Pepsi during that, right? Yes, she would. Because um, in Southern California, where she was at, they didn't have the RC. It was like when we right. went to the South, that was the only time I ever found RC was when we went to my grandparents. Okay, house so there's like an extra layer of nostalgia on top of that. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's funny how much memory ties into our impressions of taste and something like if something you remember liking a, as a kid, uh, you might not necessarily like that category of food as an adult, maybe you don't even like the food that much, but there's something about it that kind of overrides all that. And you just associate it with being like the platonic ideal of that particular product. Right. Now, when you have a Coke, what are your feelings about it too sweet not sweet enough is it just not right i think as i think back on it for me pepsi's much sweeter than a coke mm-hmm. but i also felt that there was another layer on a coke that i didn't like and as i started comparing the ingredients i believe that the coca-cola has a higher sodium content okay yeah it's interesting that a soft sweet soft drink would add salt to it you kind of wonder what the the purpose of that is maybe I don't know. Maybe just try to hit your taste. Of their secret recipe. Yeah. Secret ingredients. Now, I believe, 
I need to go back and review my history, but looking at the history of RC Cola, I believe RC Cola is also from the Atlanta area or the Georgia area, isn't it? I don't know, but I know that there's a little town south of Nashville that has an RC Cola Moon Pie Festival. Huh. And so it's probably from around that area. Yeah. And I want to say that when I was looking at it, probably for this show, that there's some connection between the founder of RC Cola and Coca-Cola, that there was some falling out that he got angry at them for some reason, a business deal or something like he was going to, I can't remember exactly the details. So forgive me for just opining on the fly here, but that he took off and made his own cola to compete with them. So do you know, like, could you tell me what, I haven't had an RC cola, to be honest, could you tell me the difference in flavor? Like what makes RC cola different or has it been too long for you? I think it's been too long, but my impression is I think back on the memory is that it was extremely sweet. Mm. Okay. It might have been even sweeter than Pepsi. Okay. That, you know, that just thinking back, my, my impression is that it was an extremely sweet soda. So I'm, I'm just, as I was stumbling through that, I, was, I just have my laptop here in front of me. So just found this tidbit. In the 1950s, RC Cola, Royal Crown Cola, and Moon Pies were a popular working man's lunch in the American South. Oh, okay. Before Royal Crown was the first company to sell soft drinks in a can. Yeah, and apparently the founder for more fun facts, <laughs> was a grocery wholesaler and he had purchased a large volume of Coca-Cola syrup and, and he felt that they were not, they were charging him too much for it because he had purchased such large volumes, but the, the Coca-Cola people wouldn't budge. And so they have this bitter conflict. And so he said, you know what, screw you, I'm going to start my own thing. So he basically worked in his basement developing soft drink recipes and he started out with the ginger ale and eventually mm-hmm. followed up with the strawberry root beer and then, and then cola. So there you go. Oh, wow. And ginger yeah. ale, that's something we didn't touch on either. That's my, my go-to drink when I'm flying. Oh, okay. Interesting, but not on the ground. And not on the ground. Huh. Again, I don't know if it's because I had that when I traveled as a child. Mm-hmm. All those flights to Honolulu and, and yes. LA. I have heard said that your taste buds um, act differently uh, in, in an airplane than they do on the ground. That's something about being up in the air, and pressurized cabin and all that, that certain flavors impact you differently up there. Like people drink tomato juice on planes a lot. Apparently tomato juice tastes different on a plane than it does on the ground. That's and so, yeah, I wonder if maybe a ginger ale to you doesn't appeal to you so much unless you're on a plane because it tastes different to you. Right. Yeah. If I drink ginger ale on the ground, it's usually with whiskey. Ah, uh, Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a popular Canadian drink, what they call here a rye and ginger, although it's not necessarily a rye whiskey. It might be Crown Royal or, you know, Canadian Club or Seagram's or something like that. But yeah, that's that's a good highball drink. <laughs> yes. Well, to answer your question, Joe, so my family, we didn't have soft drinks as a kid. Occasionally, we'd have something like 7-Up, but that was, you know, the joke is in, in our immigrant community that 7-Up should have been kept in the medicine cabinet because they would only pull it out if you, yeah. you know, your stomach was feeling upset or something like that. That's and the only so, time I got 7-Up growing up was when I was sick. Yeah. So it, we, did, we weren't a Pepsi or a Coke family, really. I mean, I can remember every once in a while, maybe if, you know, we ordered pizza or something like that, which was a rarity you know, to have to order something in or to pick up something and bring it home. Like most of our food was homemade. You know, occasionally you'd have uh, like Coca-Cola with that, I think. I, I don't, I can't, I, I'm not a reliable narrator here because I can't even remember. As an adult, I think just when you go out to eat, Coca-Cola is kind of omnipresent, whereas Pepsi is less available, I feel like. 
So I think probably I'm just exposed to Coke more. I've never done a true taste test. I probably should do one at some point. That might make for interesting listening uh, between the two of them, you know, just to see what I like and what I don't like. I know because I tend to drink diet beverages. I know I'm not crazy about the diet Pepsi over Coke Zero, but I also don't really like Diet Coke that much. So I don't know if that's a fair comparison between uh, Pepsi and Coke. And I can't remember the last time I had a regular, like full sugar Pepsi. So unfortunately, Joe, I can't really give you a good answer other than to say I'm a Coke Zero drinker occasionally from time to time. Yeah, I don't usually have Pepsi products in my house, if ever. So thank you for writing in though. And tell you what, I'll call you out when we do the Pepsi versus Coke challenge (laughs) on this show, which I probably should put into my plans over the next couple of episodes. Nikki, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you had a good time. I enjoyed, uh, obviously, I really enjoyed it. (laughs) I was having a time of my life, apparently. Um, Do you have anything you want to plug? I know you don't do a podcast. Is there anything in particular you want a a shout out to to give to my Um, list? Well, I I don't do a podcast, but I do write fantasy novels Hmm. and I self-publish. I'm currently working on the fifth book, the fifth and final book of my series, it's called Chronicles of Kalan, which is okay. C-A-L-A-N. Okay. And those books can be found on Amazon as an ebook or as a paperback. And my website is morebooks.com. It's more, M-O-O-R-E dash books.com. Excellent. I had no idea. You've got so many interesting facets to your life. <laughs> I might need to have you on again. So I'm just going to interview about all this other stuff. Oh, anytime. I had a blast. This was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's definitely do it again. And we're in the same time zone, so not too hard to coordinate. So definitely check out uh, Nikki's books. And if you can get them on Amazon, that's great. You don't have to go and hunt them down. And particularly if you're a fan of the fantasy genre, I think I might be checking that out myself. Nikki, hope you have a great day. Thanks again for joining me. To all my listeners, thanks for listening. And as a wise man once said, do everything in moderation, including moderation. Bye, Nikki. Bye, JP. Thanks. Thank you.